Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. What is Jesus trying to teach us here? What is he trying to teach his disciples here? First, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done. What does that imply? To me, that implies the perfect will of God, the sovereign will of God is not happening 24-7 on this earth. And he's praying that we would, he's teaching them to pray that we would pray that earth would start to look like heaven, right? He's saying right now it doesn't, but I want you to pray and believe God for a transition to take place that earth starts to look more and more like heaven. Do you see that? We've been praying that since Sunday school days, some of us since we were really little, and some of us have never maybe thought about what we're saying. But he's saying it doesn't look like heaven right now, but I want it to. And I want you to pray and agree with me in prayer that it will, okay? So he then talks about provisions for our daily bread, forgiving people and being forgiven. He talks about deliverance from the evil one with connection to temptations. And all those things are very important. And he ends this prayer by saying, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's a kingdom, okay? It's not a democracy, it's not any other form of government that we see in this world today. There is a kingdom, and it's God's kingdom. In the New Testament, it talks a lot about the kingdom of God. It talks a lot about the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, that's the same thing. And after Jesus went on his 40-day fast in the wilderness, he began to preach and teach about the kingdom. Before that, it doesn't really show him talking about that much. But after that fast, he came out preaching and teaching about the kingdom of heaven, or kingdom of God. Matthew 4, 17 says this. This is right after that, the, the fast he went on. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Which means, change how you think. For the kingdom of heaven isn't far away. It's not way over there. It's not in outer space somewhere behind the Milky Way. You know, it's, not, it's, at, it's as close as your hands are to your body. That's how close the kingdom of God is to you. That's what he's telling them, okay? So Jesus demonstrated the kingdom and the kingdom of God lifestyle everywhere he went, didn't he? He was teaching the people, okay, I'm the king. This is my kingdom, and I'm going to show you what my kingdom looks like. Everywhere he went, he's demonstrating the kingdom. And I want to show you what this looks like a little bit in Matthew 4, 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of what? The kingdom. And healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. So he did this in Galilee, in the Galilee region. We also see in Matthew 9.35, it's almost worded the exact same with a few changes. Then Jesus went about all, in all the cities and villages, all of them, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Everywhere he went... Everywhere he preached and he taught about the kingdom, he demonstrated the kingdom by healing all the sick that were among them. That's the kingdom. In the kingdom, there's no sickness. In the kingdom, there's no, there is no disease. 
in heaven, we, we, we can believe for that. In heaven, we die. There'll be no sickness. There'll be no pain, tears, all that kind of stuff. But Jesus was demonstrating the kingdom. He said, it's not far away. It's not out in outer space somewhere. It's as close as your hands. Okay? The gospel of the kingdom was never intended to be preached without heaven coming to earth. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power forever and ever. Amen. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just like heaven. The gospel was never intended to be preached without a demonstration of heaven coming to earth. A transition, it becoming more and more looking like heaven. The gospel kingdom should always have signs and wonders following it because that is the nature of heaven. It's the nature of God. It should always, always, whether it's a Sunday morning, you at your home, you wherever, we are to, should be expectant of signs and wonders to follow the preaching of the word. Amen? Amen. So Jesus believed this and he modeled this and he passed it along to disciples and disciples passed it along to their disciples and it was, it was the kingdom of God and that's what they preached. And something happened over time, and the church doesn't look today like it did in the book of Acts, but it's supposed to. And it's still God's heart and intention to. And I want to say, as for me in my house, as for me in this house, this is where we're going to. I'm telling you, it's not about faith in me. It's not faith in giftings. It's not faith in any. It's faith in Jesus, faith in the word of God, what he said. He's not coming back to write another gospel like the Mormons did, another gospel, that, you know, we, no. He already told us what it's supposed to look like. So this is what Jesus was known for. He was known for this. Again, after 40-day fast, he began to preach the kingdom of God everywhere he went. And also after his 40-day fast, his miraculous miracles started taking place. He said he didn't do any miracles before until after his fast. Well, let me show you why. Luke 4.14 says this. Then Jesus returned. That's returned from the desert. That's returning from the fast. In the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out through all the surrounding region. Why? Because he was doing miracles. He went in to there, filled with the Spirit. He goes, filled the Holy Spirit at his baptism. Remember, the dove came down, landed on him, and said the Spirit remained on him. He was filled with the Spirit then, but here, after the fast, after his time alone with God, he was empowered by the Spirit. And he went in power of God everywhere he went, and they started hearing about him. Who is this Jesus? Who is this carpenter's kid? What, what is he doing? I heard the other day he, he caused someone's blind eyes to open. He opened someone's deaf ears. I, I heard he had this lunatic down the road. He prayed for him. Now he's perfectly normal. Guys, that's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. And I'm telling you, we need to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change how we think. Because it's not far off. It's not one day, revival's going to hit. One day, uh, this is going to happen. And, and I do believe in revival. I do believe in all that stuff. The, the times and seasons where these special moments where God does things. I do believe in that. And it does. We see it all through church history. But disciples didn't wait for a certain time and season for things to start happening. They didn't wait till well, they, they, they made it happen with their faith, and they, but they also were empowered by the Spirit. So Jesus, um, the empowerment of the Spirit is directly connected to Jesus' demonstrate the kingdom and walking in power. His, his empowerment by the Holy Spirit is a direct connection to him preaching the kingdom and seeing power. And I think so many times we are content with what we have. And the Bible does teach about contentment, godly contentment, and things like that. But I don't think that's spiritual speaking. 
It's about what we have, the goods we have, the, you know, our stuff that we have in our homes and all the things. Be content, be thankful for what God's provided for us. But in the spirit realm, if we're not seeing the kingdom being demonstrated the way Jesus demonstrated the kingdom, then we should be hungry and pressing in for, some, for something more until we see breakthrough. Not for the sake of me, not to look good before the eyes of men, but for the sake of the lost. The kingdom was never preached without demonstration in Jesus' day. Was it? It wasn't. It wasn't. I showed you two verses there, and there's plenty more. You guys know them. Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Today, people believe that it's Jesus, it's God Almighty is the one that's making everybody sick. And there's no such thing of a devil. We don't even need to have a devil because we, what we believe ourselves, we empower the devil's lies by believing those lies. And we have people with PhDs and theologians that will tell you all these things. And I'm telling you, they can't change the word of God. They can't change the life of Jesus. He is who he is. He is the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. He, he has no apologies for who he is. And yes, we have questions sometimes, why didn't this happen? Why didn't that happen? But it can't make us pull the plug and throw out the baby with the bathwater and just say, ah, oh, forget it, this is just too hard. We can't. We can't do that. Because people are going to die and go to hell without seeing a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I'm going to show you this in the Word. This is what God wants. It's not for church attendance. It's not for church growth. It's for kingdom growth. It's for the king and his kingdom. It's a heaven and hell thing. It's fire, brimstone, hell, or heaven. It's the, there's a final judgment coming one day, and not everyone's going to make the ride. And they, but they can when they see a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I mean, people have other black books. We got a, your black Bible, whatever. Mormons have them. Muslims have them. They have a little black book. What's different about yours and the, theirs? They, they, we send our missionaries overseas, and they try to argue people into the kingdom. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It never works. You can't argue somebody into the kingdom. They have to have a Holy Ghost encounter with a living Savior and be resurrected from the dead in the newness of Christian life. we got to have a power with God. We have to have the power of God. We have to. And Jesus was known for demonstrating the kingdom everywhere he went. He demonstrated it. Just like where we went. Huh. Get up. Be healed. Raised from the dead. We're, we're, we're not lacking. Let me pray for a second. Now we got more than enough bread and fish. Guys, we are part of the kingdom. Amen. Disciples were known for this. Not just Jesus' disciples were known for this. Disciples were filled with the Spirit uh, after Jesus was resurrected from the dead. I'll show you this in John 20, 22. It's, a, it's an interesting verse, but it's in the Bible, so it's true. And when he said this, Jesus, he being Jesus breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So the 11 disciples are in the room. They haven't picked the 12th guy yet. They're in the room. This is the day, the evening of the resurrection. Jesus walks over to some of them. I was going to make a joke about a tic-tac, but hopefully he had his good breath. Or I guess he's his heavenly breath now. He's already been resurrected. And he breathes on them. The same word for breath is the same word for spirit. He breathed on them that receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. Then, 50, then on the 50th day after Jesus' resurrection, the disciples were then empowered by the Spirit, just like Jesus was. Let me show you this in Acts 1. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart Jerusalem. He didn't say, go, go plant churches. Go do this, go that. He said, no, don't you dare leave Jerusalem. Until when? But wait 
for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. You've heard me talk about this. You've heard me teach on this. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I want to stop here before I go on to the next verse. This, is not, this, this sermon today is not about tongues. Okay? I'm for tongues. I pray in tongues. I pray in tongues every day. It is good for me. It's good for me. I believe it's good for you too. It helps me get myself calmed down sometimes. It helps me think differently sometimes. When I'm angry sometimes, I need to, my flesh is bubbling up. I need to go away. Like, I got to pray in the spirit because I'm feeling wicked right now. Or I'm feeling angry or whatever right now. This, but this is not a tongues message, even though that's included. That's a foregone conclusion. This message is a message of power. The goal of people having encounters with God is not for them just to follow it in the spirit and twitch and whatever they do when, they, when that happens. Because sometimes they're getting electrocuted on the floor and it's like, and power is going through them. We can mock and make fun of that. But let, me ha- let it happen to you. Let me see how you handle it. When the, bolt, the, the voltage of Jesus is going through you, the, the, the 220 or whatever he does, with the, and puts the jumper cables on you, see what happens to you. But the goal is not falling down. The goal is not uh, rolling around or manifestation or whatever. The goal is not. The goal is for you to be empowered with the Holy Spirit to take a testimony and a witness outside of these doors everywhere we go. That's the goal. That is the goal. It's for the Spirit of God to get so insaturated in us. We're so baptized in His Spirit, baptized in His love, that everywhere we go, we know Christ is in us. And things are going to change because we're walking in the kingdom. The kingdom's in us. Acts 1.8 said this, But you shall receive power. Power. We love those songs. I love those songs. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. Right? Of the... You see, you receive power when? When? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And a big chunk of the church seems like they don't want to ever talk with the Holy Spirit. They don't, they, uh, I don't know why. I don't want to pretend like I know why. I don't know why. But it says here, you, he's telling the disciples, wait, you wait 10 days. They didn't know it was going to be 10 days probably, but you wait. And don't you go start a church yet. Don't go do what you know. And they were still in fear. They were in trembling. They were hiding in the room with the doors locked. Doesn't it say that? And then the Holy Spirit came in the room through the doors, through the windows, through the walls, and empowered them with such power, fear was destroyed in their lives. They had no more fear of death, no more fear of being tortured or tormented, no more fear of the Jews or anyone else coming against them. They had no more fear. And Peter preached boldly on that day, and 3,000 people got saved. He was terrified before. He already denied Jesus once because he was afraid for his life. He was afraid of dying like he did. And all of a sudden, he gets touched by the power of the Holy Spirit, and things changed. You know, in your life, my life, you think, I can't do this. I can't do what God's asking me to do. I can't, I can't preach this guy. I can't teach this guy. I can't witness this person over here. Well, guess why you, you think you can't do it? Because you need Holy Spirit power. You're still thinking you're doing this in your own strength, that you have to do it, just, you have to word everything just right, or, and then the, or they're not going to get saved, or not going to whatever, and we're not factoring in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not factoring in that it took 10 days to pray and to seek God's face until they were endued, clothed with a new garment of power. Does this world not need to see a demonstration? Does this world need to see a demonstration? Why not come through you guys? Why not? The only reason why not is we're, we're fat and lazy. 
And two, not willing to take the cost of prayer and self-sacrifice, laying down our own life for somebody else's life, that they might have an encounter with God. Maybe not the fat part, but the lazy part. Maybe I was, I didn't talk about myself, but, but we get lazy. What is this going to cost me? How is this going to benefit me? Well, I mean, I prayed for, it doesn't benefit me, and then we don't want to do it. Uh, man, it's just not God. So again, Jesus was filled with the Spirit at his baptism and empowered after 40 days in the wilderness. The disciples were filled with the Spirit on the evening of Jesus' resurrection and empowered by the Spirit 50 days later. Guys, this is not a Pentecostal sermon. This is the gospel of the kingdom. This is the gospel of the kingdom. This is the facts of the way things went down. And it's a biblical model for the things he wants us to happen in his life. Good theology is not enough. It's not enough. That might sound blasphemous. It's not, it wasn't enough for Jesus. You think he needed to learn new theology and his 40-day fast? Or did he need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? He need to learn uh, humility and suffering and, and denying himself and listening to the Father and spending time alone with God. Good theology is great. We need it. We need it. But we need both. We need good theology, but we also need a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. Nobody cares what you know if you can't show them the truth of it and back it up. Nobody cares what, nobody cares you know. Who, there's 200 churches probably in our county. Nobody cares. I mean, I mean they, they want to see, is this true? Is this true? Does Jesus really love me? Where was he when this happened? Where was he when, when my grandmother died or when this person died or this happened or this car wreck happened? Where was he then? And guess who's going to have to have answers for some of those questions? It's not going to be an angel from heaven coming down. It's going to be us. And it's going to have to come from the secret place of the Most High, praying in the Spirit, listening to God, getting downloads, and encouraging these people in faith in what God says. But this is the biblical model. And we are to be filled with the Spirit. And at some point, we're supposed to be empowered by the Spirit. And then we're supposed to go out as a witness of the kingdom of God. This isn't for the pastors. Amen. Even though I'm included in it, it's not. Read Ephesians 4. It's to the building of the church together till we all reach the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. We're all doing the same thing, the same. This is the believer's ministry. It's not the pastor's ministry. It says, Mark 16, And these signs shall follow those who live in doubt and unbelief or passively just don't care about people. Or just the sovereign of God is going to magically make it all happen and we just sit back and do nothing. I, I'm sorry if I'm being too mocking. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I do. We're in a Presbyterian church here, okay? I do. But God is not going to make you do anything. You have a garden. Pat has a garden. A lot of you guys have gardens. He could throw your seeds out there all day long. But if you're not going to till the garden, if you're not going to weed it, you're not going to go out there and spend time sweating in it and doing some stuff and killing the bugs and stuff, you're not going to have much of a garden. It's a partnership. It's co-laboring with God. You do the part that you can do, and God does the part that you can't do. Mark 16, 17, 18, and these signs will follow those who believe, who believe. In my name they shall cast out demons. Hallelujah. You do not have to be afraid of demons. Get empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will not fear demons. They might still creep you out sometimes in your flesh, but you don't have to be afraid. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. 
If you read this in your Bible, if you have a red letter version, these words are in red. People have tried to take these out, saying that Jesus didn't say that, this was added, but it made the canon of Scripture. It proved the test of time. It's still in the Bible. These words are read. These are the desires of Jesus for his church, for his bride, to look like him, to look like him, to do the same things that he did. What did he spend his time doing? Preaching, teaching, healing, deliverance. That's what he did. He was demonstrating the kingdom. And this is still his desire for today. All right? So Jesus was known for this. The disciples are known for this. And Paul was known for this as well. Look at Romans 15, 18 and 19. So, again, I'm going to say this. I'm preaching this message. I'm not trying to entertain you. I'm not trying to impress you. I am trying to bless you. But I'm trying to stir up a hunger on the inside of us that just puts doubt and unbelief through some kind of a cheese grater, shredder, chop machine or something and just destroy this junk of what the church is supposed to look like, that complacency is okay, nothing ever happening is okay, going to church and nobody gets touched, nobody gets delivered, no one gets set free, nobody gets healed, and we say, we had a nice service today. Wasn't that nice? It was such a nice service. It was so nice. Didn't you like that special number in song? Oh, their, their voice just so blessed my heart. And it makes me want to gag can I be real? Just, I, just, I can't help it, but I just me. I, I'm so tired of just, I'm tired of not seeing what we're supposed to see. And I'm not blaming you guys. If, if, I'm saying, if I'm saying it in a way that makes it sound like I'm projecting on you, I'm not. I'm saying us. Uh, we, we, someone has to step up. Someone has to fill in the gap, stand in the gap. Someone has to lay down their life for someone else. Someone has to pray and seek God's face for those that can't hear God's voice. Somebody has to do something for someone else, and they have to care. And that's the love of God's got to be shed abroad in our hearts, and not just about uh, we just care about our 401K and our house and this and that. We have to care about people. Seek first the kingdom. And all these things will be added to you. He'll take care of your 401k. He'll take care of retirement. He'll take care of that stuff. He'll take care of you. He doesn't care about that stuff. I mean, he cares, the only reason he cares about money is because he cares about you. It's the only reason. And also, it, of course, it, we need it for the kingdom. So Paul said this in Romans 15. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by the word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout as far as Ecolum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. I have fully preached it. With what? With power, with signs and wonders, with the power of the Spirit, I have fully preached it. I have fully preached it. I wonder how many uh, in the gospel being preached is fully being preached with demonstration. You know, I hear, I hear these stories of uh, missionaries going to different countries and Muslim nations and stuff. And again, they have their, their black book. And they have their things. And they, again, they try to argue them into the kingdom. If you get argued into the kingdom, you're going to be argued out of the kingdom. You need to have a power uh, encounter with the Holy Spirit. So this is what Paul was known for. This is what Stephen was known for, Acts 6, 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. It's a kingdom. It's a kingdom. This is supposed to be normal. Amen? It's not supposed to be, whoa, you hear what that guy? Whoa, he prayed for someone and they were healed. Well, what did he do? We're all supposed to do that. 
We're all supposed to do that. We are all supposed to do that. You are, we're all supposed to have a healing ministry. These signs follow those who believe. It's supposed to happen. We shouldn't be shocked when someone's headache goes away, someone's knee pain goes away, someone's ankles healed. We shouldn't be shocked. God Almighty is living on the inside of us. Amen? This is what Philip was known for. Acts 8, verse 6. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he performed. Drop down to verse 13. Even Simon, and this is not Simon Peter, this is Simon a sorcerer. This is Simon who entertained the crowds with black magic and doing magical tricks and stuff to entertain the crowds and get attention. This is someone who was involved in black magic and witchcraft. But when he saw the real power of God, when he saw the real power of God, I'm telling you, we're going to have witches and warlocks and all these demonized people that are getting into black magic because they're not seeing the power of God in the church. We're going to see them repent, fall on their face. They truly, God is among these guys, and they're going to come to Christ. This is what happened to Simon here. This is exactly what happened. So even Simon the sorcerer himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued on with Philip, and he... And as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. This guy was getting big money for the, the, the trickery he was doing. Tricking people and doing all this black magic stuff. And also when he saw the real power of God, he threw away all of his stuff as junk. He was constantly amazed at the things he saw through the hands of Philip. Wouldn't you like to see a sorcerer say that about you? Now it's not really Philip, we know that. And it's not really Stephen, it's not really us. But he was so yielded to the Holy Spirit, walking in cooperation with what God was doing. He saw them on the other side of his hands because the kingdom of God is at hand. It's on the other side of our hand for those that will step up and step out and release the kingdom. But you've got to believe it's in you before you can release it. You can't give away something you don't have. If you believe you have nothing, you're going to release nothing. Come on, somebody. It's a lie from hell that you don't have something. It's a lie from hell to say, when Pastor Ryan lays hands on the sick, they're going to recover. But when I lay hands, it's not that's going to happen. That's agreeing with the devil. Jesus would never say that to you. Amen? I'm telling you, he wouldn't. All right. So again, this is what Stephen was known for. Philip was known for. This is what the disciples were known for, too. Mark 16, 19 through 20. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he had received up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. I love those scriptures right there. So there's a gap in time between verses 19 and 20 here, okay? It was actually a 10-day span of time because Jesus appeared to disciples over 40 days and then Pentecost was on the 50th day, so it was 10 days later. So there's actually 10 days between these verses because they didn't go right out and preach. It sounds like here they went right out and preached, but we know that they didn't. They waited until they're endued with power from on high. Amen? So um, I'm telling you, some of you guys are going to get touched by the power of God today. Start already? <laughs> Some of you guys are going to get touched by the power of God today. And you know what? And you need it more than anything in your life. And I need it more than anything in my life. I have been touched before, but I can't just have one touch. i got to have more than one. I have to have more than one because I'm still praying for people, and some of them are getting healed, some of them are not, but Jesus didn't do that. He healed them all. 
It's what it says. I read it at least three times. He healed them all. Everyone, everyone. He told the disciples, heal them all. It's the word of God. It can't be changed. Amen? Amen. So I want you to notice something here. They went out to preach, but it says, this is verse um, 20. They went out to preach, but the Lord was still working with them. Do you see that? It said 19 that Jesus has already been ascended into heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. They waited 10 days. They're empowered by the Spirit. And then verse 20 says, the Lord working with them. When you go out and preach, teach, pray for people, you are not representing yourself. You represent the king and his kingdom. You, and he is going to work with you. He's working with you. We have to expectation. Like, it's not just these words. It's not just because I'm here. We had a good worship this morning and all this stuff. It's not just that. It's, it's Jesus Christ himself is working with you, and signs and wonders are accompanying the preaching of the word. You're not alone. You're not, they weren't alone. We're not alone. He's still in us, with us, and his kingdom knows no end. It knows no end. It might have pauses sometimes, or seem like there's pauses, because we, the church can get so bogged down with things that just aren't as important. How we look to people. If we're going to impress people, if we're going to entertain people, if we're going to be like, oh, this church is this, and this church is that. You know, I just don't care. I'm sorry, I, I'm supposed to be whatever I'm supposed to be. I'm not. I'm just me. And I have to be me. And for me to be fully believe this word, to fully preach this word to you guys, I have to be me. And I'm telling you, I, I, if we, I know we're going to have the church going to grow and stuff because of prophetic words and stuff. But again, that is not my goal. My goal is to have you guys so filled with the power of God. So filled with the love of God, faith of God, the word of God. That you're, 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 I'm getting testimonies every day. I mean, just what happened at Walmart. Guess what happened at Ingalls. Guess what happened at work today. Guess what happened at school. Guess what happened to this little kid. Guess what happened. Guess what happened. Guess what happened. That should be your normal life. And it's so much better than the life we have right now. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for Jesus' sake will find it. Amen. So the disciples weren't working alone. They weren't powerless. They weren't ineffective. They preached the word, and Jesus worked with them, confirming the word that was spoken. 17 years later, we see this again in Acts 14. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders be done by their hands. Okay, so who was bearing witness here? It's the Sunday school answer. You're not going to get wrong. Jesus. I'm not, I'm not tricking you. It's Jesus. Who is bearing witness? Yes. Who granted it signs and wonders be done through their hands? Okay. And Jesus again worked with them, confirming the word of his grace with signs and wonders. Amen. So in this story, Paul and Barnabas, they were in Iconum. And they spoke to this great multitude of people, Jews and Gentiles alike. And they preached the message to them, and it says many people believed. But then some of the Jews get ticked off because they were leaving Judaism and, and this to go to Christianity. And they started stirring up, fighting, and poisoning the minds, it says in the word, of the, to the Gentiles. And got them poisoned against Paul and Barnabas. So uh, eventually they had to leave town because they stirred up such a riot. They, they're coming after them, trying to stone them and whatever. So they leave town. But at first it says they stayed there a long time. They had adversity. But the first part of that verse said they stayed a long time. You have to read verse 1 and 2. Now, for us in the church, sometimes like, uh, it's getting hard. I'm going to leave. This is too hard. I got to go. 
it, it, I, I got to do something else. And what did he do? They stayed a long time. The tenacity, the, the sacrifice of their life, laying down themselves, even though they might get stoned, they might get whipped, they might get beaten, they might get put in prison. It wasn't about them. It was about the manifestation of the kingdom. Amen. So eventually they did get ran out of town. People got mad, ran out of town. So they went to the next town over. And here's what happened in Acts 14, verse 8. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and he walked. They went from persecution. They went from getting run out of the city, not offended, like, oh, man, this is just too hard. They preach the gospel there, and a man gets up who's never walked in his lifetime. And I'm telling you, I'd rather be saying silver and gold have I none. What I do have, I give you. Rise and walk in the name of Jesus. Than having silver or gold, I have some or have lots, but I can't say anything to anybody to be healed. Peter knew what he had. John knew what he had, that they could just speak that out. He could say this, and they get up, and they have faith. I'm telling you, I say it to you, Mitzi. I'm going to say it to you again and again and again. Get up in Jesus' name. And I don't say this to embarrass her, because I know she'd be up. We all know she'd be up if she could do it in her own strength. But it's not about her own strength. All the things that God is asking us to do, we can't do. We can't save ourselves. We can't heal anybody. We can't preach well, prophesy well. We can't do any of those things. But it's a demonstration of reliance on the Spirit of God on the inside of us. It's reliance on the power of God in us. You know, we prayed for Mitzi on the Saturday night. We had the um, leadership meeting in the back and stuff with James and everybody. And the power of God was touching you, wasn't it? She can't feel, I hope I'm not embarrassing you, but I love you so much. That's not what I'm trying to do. But uh, she can't feel from the waist down. We're praying for her in there, a few of us. Her legs start getting on fire. Not just her legs, but her whole body, I believe. And then even after we, and I think your feet were moving a little bit or something. And then even after we left, and then the next morning, you still were feeling, if I remember right, fire in your shins. She can't feel her shins. But she was feeling fire in her shins. So what do we do? We say, well, I guess we prayed once. I guess we've been praying for, I don't know how many years, 20-something, whatever. How many years is it? 19 this year, I guess we should give up and quit. I mean, I'm telling you what, I'm not quitting. If anything, I'm pressing in harder and harder and harder. And if we have to, and I want to just put some protocol down. Don't go over and pray for Mitzi whenever you feel the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. I stopped someone from doing that the other day. Just because her stuff is obvious doesn't mean, like, you're, you can't see your stuff, but hers is more obvious. Don't, don't test your faith in a wheelchair when you haven't prayed for someone with a headache. You haven't prayed for someone with a toothache. You haven't seen anything healed before. You want to go test your faith in someone that's been, t- like, sometimes, uh, I hope you're okay. Sometimes Missy doesn't come on Sunday nights because she doesn't want someone else, a stranger, someone just to go over and start praying for her. So that's, I don't want that to happen here. But what I do want it to have happen here is get up in Jesus' name. And we never stop. We never stop. Amen? So uh, there's something that's not kingdom when we preach without a demonstration of power. There is something that just isn't kingdom when we preach the gospel and there's no power. Okay? So uh, Paul said it this way. 
1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. And when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come as someone superior in speaking ability or wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I also was with you in weakness and in fear and in great trembling. And my message and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. Why? So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of mankind, but on the power of God. Everywhere Paul went, everywhere, he didn't come with excellent speech, an excellent sermon, even though some of his stuff is, is pretty impressive. He didn't come with wise, persuasive words. He said he came with a testimony of God. He came with a message of Jesus Christ crucified and now resurrected. He came with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. Why? So their faith wouldn't rest on a human. Their faith wouldn't rest on Paul or Apollos or Peter or anybody else. Their faith would rest on Jesus and the power of God. Amen? Amen. So today, man's faith doesn't always rest on the power of God. We have our faith rested on our willpower, our finances, good works, church attendance, and different things like that. But uh, guys, our faith is not to rest on those things. Our faith is to rest on the power of God. This is what the New Testament church was known for. This is what Jesus was known for. And this is what we should be known for. Amen? Amen. So what is our church known for? Um, the church in general? Today we're known for, you know, excellent speeches, wise and persuasive words, fine-sounding arguments and sermons, um, man's wisdom in human reasoning, but where is the demonstration of the Spirit and power? Where is it? Where is the power of God? It has become acceptable in the church to hear wise and persuasive words. It has become acceptable in the church to have no power. It's become acceptable in the church to come and expect nothing and receive nothing and just say, oh, that was a nice service today. Does anybody else just feel tired of that? It's, again, this is not about me. I could come every Sunday, the church will do its thing, and I could just be quesara, sarah, and entertain you, get some fancy poems and messages together, and read some stuff and entertain you guys, and, and life would go on, and you guys would love me, and I'd love you. But deep down in my heart, I'd be greatly disappointed in myself and in the church overall because I know that God has called this house to be different. Long before I was here, long before I was here, many pastors and stuff that wrote in their notes had a feeling, a sense that this house is to be a house of healing. Many of them. So guys, this is an inferior, this that way of thinking is inferior to God's design, his plan. It's inferior to the kingdom of God. His will hasn't changed. His desire hasn't changed. We've changed. We've changed. Paul didn't go to Iconum or Lystrum or anywhere else with wise, persuasive words, but always a demonstration of spirit and power. Again, so um, this is how Jesus lived. This is how Peter and the other disciples lived. This is how Paul, Barnabas, Stephen, and Philip lived. And this is how we are to live as well. Amen. So we already saw in these verses that these signs follow with belief. And I'm just going to just say this for the sake of time. Uh, Acts 2, 38 and 39 talk about these signs are for you, for your children, and for all who call, as many as the Lord our God will call. As long as the earth remains, these signs are still for you today. And I believe that's, that's the Holy Spirit was talking about there is for filling, 
but also for the empowering. The filling is for you. It's for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The empowerment is for somebody else. It's for somebody else. So um, the kingdom of God is still at hand today. It's still at hand today. Amen. I want to read Luke 17, 20 and 21. Now when he had asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and said, The kingdom of God does not come with your observance, observation, nor will they say, See here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Who did he say he spoke that to? He was answering a question from somebody. Who was it? The Pharisees. So if the kingdom of God can be in the Pharisees, I think the kingdom of God can be in us too, amen? And the kingdom of God is in you. Because the king is in you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay? So God, the kingdom of God is within us. The word of God declares that his kingdom knows no end, and we are to continue what he started. And John, I only have a couple more verses left. But after that, I'm going to wait for a while. I'm believing God for a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I don't have anything specific in mind. I don't have this hope or goal. I just believe in God for His Spirit to come down and, and touch people. And there's a demonstration of His Spirit, whatever that looks like. Because I need it. We need it. The lost needs it. The world needs it. In John 14, 12, Jesus said this. Most assuredly, I say to you, which means the same word for Amen. Same word for truly, truly, or barely, barely. He's like, I promise, I promise. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Guys, this is the mandate of the church, the mandate of the bride. And I think we've, we've become intellectually engaged in church and we're focusing on the things we can do, and, and we, we, there's definitely things we need to do and, and love people well and stuff like that. But Jesus told them to wait until they're empowered from on high. Jesus himself waited till he was empowered from on high before he started. He was 30. Imagine being God in the flesh, and you still wait till you're 30. He humbled himself to the call of God in his life. So we are to continue where Jesus left off, what he started. We are called to advance the kingdom. We are called to empower, be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are called to walk in the power of God. We are called to do greater works than Jesus did. Now, I know this stretches our faith, but he said it. He said it. I didn't say it. I would never say that. Even equal or just a little bit under. I mean, maybe I could say that. But Jesus said greater. I have no comprehension what that could possibly mean because he did everything great like he did. But it wasn't Jesus even himself. It's the Spirit of God in him. It's the Spirit of God in us doing these works. He says, my Father doing these works. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So I'm believing that uh, we're about to walk in the greatest season the church has ever seen. Ever seen. Ever written about in church history. Far surpassing what we see in the book of Acts. And not to, not to belittle the word of God, but that's supposed to be a stepping stone. It's supposed to be building. Line upon line, precept upon precept. It's supposed to be going upward and upward closer to God. I see we're going to a season where the weakest will be like David and the strongest like the sons of God, like it says in Zechariah 12.8. There's a time prophesied in Zechariah. There's a day coming the weakest will be like David. The weakest and the strongest like the sons of God. 
Amen. I see a season of great power and miracles coming. But in order for us to walk in these things, we need to pray like they did. We need to preach like they did. We need to believe like they did. We need to love like they did. And it's all about self-sacrifice, not about me, not about what's best for me, but what's best for somebody else. So again, good theology is not enough. We need good theology, but we also need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen.